This is the MagicWordPodcast.com. Hello, this is Scott Wells for the MagicWordPodcast.com. This week's episode is brought to you by the Friends of the Magic Word. Those are the ones whose financial support help keep this podcast going week after week. The two new people that we'd like to welcome, first of all, James Fowl, who has made a donation through PayPal. Thank you, James, very much, and welcome to the group. And also to Ian Richards, who has pledged through Patreon his monthly support then for this podcast, too. Thank you, gentlemen, very much for putting your money where your ears are. It's because of uh, those people like you who, well, again, keep this podcast going, hopefully many years into the future, uh, particularly after I just had my little heart surgery there last week. I mentioned this on the podcast last week, and also I put it in the pod letter. But basically, it was a fairly routine procedure, I guess, because I was released from the recovery room almost immediately after I had come to and woken up there. And they said, you can send for someone to come and pick you up. You're ready to go. So sent home, and I stayed with another friend of the Magic Ward and one of my good friends, Dick Olson. And I stayed uh, in his home for a while and just recuperated while the doctor had told me again not to do much of anything and not to lift anything more than a gallon of milk and just relax. So did a lot of uh, TV watching and just relaxed and was not able to drive a car until uh, just recently. So finally came back to my new house uh, here in um, Georgetown, which is north of Austin, and after I got back, was able to have uh, lunch visit with uh, Charles Green III, who happened to be in town visiting from Washington, D.C. He's doing some research at the Ransom Center, which I had had a podcast episode some time ago, not only with Charles Green, uh, but also with um, Eric Colleri, who is the curator of the Ransom Center. I'm kind of getting off on a little subtopic here, but I just let you know kind of what I've been up to to let you know that I'm out and about and getting around uh, and that uh, my uh, breath is a little bit, it's hard to catch my breath. I can't walk too far right now. It'll just take a while for me to kind of get back to where I was, but hopefully by the 1st of December, everything will be back to normal. It seems that, again, the surgery was Successful, and I do want to thank each and every one of you who had through the social media on Facebook or uh, where you had texted me or you had sent emails or called or whatever. It just meant so much. It really lifted my spirits to know there are so many people out there who really care uh, about me, and it means a lot. Thank you very much. And it, uh, uh, that, I mean it <laughs> truly from the bottom literally of my heart. It, uh, it it meant a lot and continues to mean a lot. So thank you for keeping me in your thoughts and prayers. It's been been wonderful. Well, I, I mentioned uh, Charles Green. Uh, and he is a trade show magician then also who I've known, golly, uh, since the 19, early 1980s, I guess, uh, or so. We've been um, good friends and worked together in restaurants. But anyhow, he has been a trade show magician for a long time. And Charles wouldn't be where he is if it wasn't for the people like my guest this week. And that is Dick Stoner. Dick is one of those pioneers of the trade show upon whose shoulders we stand. We really need to have these kinds of people 
I think, to, to hear their stories so we can certainly appreciate where we're going by knowing where we have been and how this all got started. Uh, Dick is uh, a nonagenarian at the age of 93, and he still, believe it or not, uh, operates, along with his son Kevin, the Stoner's Fun Store in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And they, uh, he, he still keeps busy, although he's not doing any trade shows. He said he's not quite so stable on his feet or whatever. But while I was at uh, Abbott's get-together in Colon, Michigan this past summer, I had an opportunity to sit down with him. I was wanting to do it last year when I was there, but he is kind of in and out. And because of his stability and some other physical uh, problems, uh, we were unable to get together last year, but we did this year, and I'm so thankful that we did, and I think you're going to enjoy uh, him talking about trade shows as well as his uh, fun store. So please help welcome my guest this week, Mr. Dick Stoner, here on The Magic Word. Today I, I have a very special guest with me and someone that I have uh, spoken with a time or two in the past whenever I have been in uh, Colon, Michigan at uh, Abbott's Get Together and uh, he has been a regular attendee for a long number of years and actually uh, someone who is very important to the magic community and has uh, influenced so many people in so many ways, has been a uh, longtime trade show magician, one of the pioneers uh, in, in trade shows and maybe we can get some stories out of him then as well. <laughs> of course then he also has his magic shop which is Stoner's Fun Shop in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Please welcome my guest today, Dick Stoner. Hi there, Dick. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you. This is great. I, I have so many things that I want to ask you about. I know there are not a lot of brick-and-mortar magic shops that are still around today, but uh, that used to be quite the thing many years ago. So I'm curious how you got started with that. Well, I started out as a 13-year-old. My father did a little magic as a hobby, and I got to doing it. And when I was ready to graduate from high school, uh, he said, what college are you going to? I said, I want to be a magician. <laughs> and uh, so he explored, and we tried to, we opened up a magic shop. Percy Abbott came from uh, uh, came from a uh, Abbott's and, and said they were selling their Indianapolis store, and if we wanted to buy the store, they would give us the fixtures and everything. And uh, so we did, and that started the, the whole thing. Right, and that was in Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne, Indiana, I'm trying to say. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. What year would that have been approximately? I've been in 70, uh, I mean 49. So. 1949? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And was it always called uh, Stoner's uh, Fun Shop then from the beginning? It was uh, It was in a, a one room of a, a section of three store, a building of three buildings together, but we were in one of the buildings. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Shortly after that, the business got better, and I bought the buildings and expanded into two of the other buildings. So we ended up with actually four four buildings mm -hmm. tied together, and had, had filled that with costumes. What with the costumes are all sorts of costumes we have that uh, fit about any occasion, and rent them sure. for um, schools, plays, and everything. Right. Have you been in the same building or? Same building. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. All that time. That's just expanded. I, I know the Halloween business has changed a lot. Did you have your own seamstresses and people who made your own costumes? Uh, we have some seamstresses who make some costumes, and we buy costumes. And uh, oh, we, we bought one uh, inventory from people that had had a co costume inventory and sold it to us. And, mm -hmm. uh, the first year, we rented uh, more than we paid for the costumes. And wow. <laughs> so we were... 
very happy with that. That's the way it's supposed to work. That's the business model. Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> the way it should work. And so at the peak, how many employees did you have? Um, we usually had about five people. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife runs the costume end of it. And uh, the uh, my son, Kevin, is a kind of a store manager. And then uh, we have four or five other people that... Mm -hmm. Participate too. Aside from Halloween, there are other times. I guess like Renaissance festivals and things like that, or maybe weddings or costume parties. Every, everything you can think of all year round. Mm -hmm. what, what's been some of the most unusual things people have asked for? Well, uh, the uh, my wife's more familiar with all of that than <laughs> I am, but uh, we've had uh, uh, things that were military uh, ideas or mm -hmm. back in history and uh, old-time costumes that would fit that particular thing they're doing. And if it's right. a, play, a play about something, then, then we find the costumes that fit that. Of that uh, era. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's kind of interesting. And so when you say you find the costumes, do you, uh, well, you didn't have the Internet before, but now with this, I guess it's a little bit easier to find. Yeah. We we, we would, some of them we, we have catalogs we can order from. Sure. But we... We also produce a lot of the costumes ourselves too. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. has it? Have you had uh, a lot of competition then with those pop-up Halloween stores? That uh, somewhat, but not not uh, not a terrible business. And during the year, uh, we have the inventory to do whatever they they would have that only there for a week or two, you know, and mm -hmm. then they're gone. And yours is year-round, of course. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So they can trust you, obviously. Right. And so, uh, yeah, that's uh, sure. During the month of October is a very busy. Right. Do you attend? And then Christmas is big. We have a number of Santa suits that go out and huh. elves and all that sort of thing for Christmas parties. Yeah, right. Do you go to those Halloween costume trade shows and things like that? Uh, not too much. We have sometimes put costumes in there. But basically in the trade shows where I participated, I would do a magic show and with a microphone and stop a crowd as they walk by and they wonder what's going on and they come over and you build a crowd and sure. you incorporate the their product into your message or your tricks you're doing and right and it gets them people interested in finding out about that product right right uh, i i want to get into that but staying on the on the magic shop for just a minute do you also build things or is it just uh or do you just buy some Magic props, or do you uh, have? A we we uh, we had some uh, some things built uh, for ourselves, and, uh, and then I have some different printed uh, uh, things that we use. Uh, I I have a, a thing a trade show where I was in a in a town in New York, out in the inner outstate New York, mm -hmm. and there was a little store there, and they had some novelty things, and I picked up a little sheet of paper, and it had. Uh, pictures on it, and you'd fold it down, and it, it looked like a, a little paper, and you'd unfold it and say, uh, I, I, and it would open up, and it would be a picture of a of a casket, and oh. and uh, the whole casket, and you you say we can have this uh, cost, this uh, uh, funeral arrangement for you for 
$50,000. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, that's more than I could spend. You fold the back down and say, we'll eliminate the top. Uh, we had a, a canopy. We'll, we don't just have the drapes and the and the casket. And, and, you, and then, well, that's more than I can spend. And you fold it down again, and you keep folding it down. And the last fold, you end up with a... Uh, a garbage can. Oh, garbage <laughs> can. Okay. And then you, and you say, and I, and I, when I do it, and when I did it in shows, I'd say, and if you uh, end up like this, um, you, you, uh, you, you end up with the cat, the, the, the this you see one of these garbage cans, you're walking down the street. Don't kick it. I might be in it. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. And then you would pass out the paper, and then they could. Tell their friends that joke, you know, mm-hmm. then too. Uh, well, years ago, I guess you probably worked with Eddie Tulloch and uh, Bud Dietrich and all Eddie those Tullick, guys. Yeah, Eddie Tulloch was, I saw a lot in its shows, trade shows, and uh, Eddie was one of the people that could work a trade show in a big facility without a microphone. He just really loud, and mm-hmm. he, could, he could do that without a microphone. And uh, But uh, he, was a, he was quite a sensation in the trade show industry. And then I did... A lot of corporate meetings where I would do a, just do a show for entertainment for a company event and uh, just my normal act of comedy and magic and mm-hmm. and I I found out early on uh, that I wanted to add comedy to my magic and so everything I did was uh, had humor in it involved in it and it made it more interesting to people. Was that in the context of the trade show or a hospitality suite or after dinner? Either, either one. Uh, the ho- hospitality suites, you do close-up magic and so on. And the, the trade show, you build, do things that would build some traffic and then tie in with one of their products. And then just the banquet shows, uh, I would just do my comedy act, uh, mm-hmm. much like a show you saw here t- tonight. Right. It would be done that that sort of thing where it was just entertainment. Right. Right. Do you remember any particular location? I, now, back then, I assume just the United States. You toured just the states, or did oh, you go? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the most of the was in major cities like you know Chicago and New York and uh, uh, Atlanta, uh, the West Coast, and, and you know and, Las uh, Vegas. Yeah, Vegas and right mm-hmm. wherever they had crowd and uh, right. shows for conventions, and uh, that's where we did it. Was there a place that you? Uh, remember that stood out in your mind that you liked better or you'd love to go back and do a show there oh i enjoyed uh, las vegas and then also uh, uh <clears throat> chicago the bigger cities the, like mccormick the, place you just had a lot of people and that that's yeah. what was creating the interest mm-hmm. what was <clears throat> one of your signature tricks that you did well i did a uh, uh trick with the uh, uh, uh Rope, or I cut and restored rope, and uh-huh. I cut it, and it's back together, and then it's apart again, and then it's back together, and then I did uh, uh, things with uh, uh, cards where, where they would I'd find their card in an unusual manner, and uh, uh, drop drop a uh, do a thing with a scarf and produce scarves, and some of the scarves would be ads for their company and. Oh, that yeah. sort of thing, right? Right. <coughs> Do you remember a particular company that was one of uh, your? Oh, long-term? I did a lot of work for uh, well, some of the corporations. Let's see, um, Las Vegas was a company in Las Vegas, uh, uh, and it was. Um, oh, I'm, it's been a while since I've done the trade show. I'm trying <laughs> to think of the, the names. There was a, a, a company that made uh, 
engineering products, and I would talk about that, mm-hmm. and I'd do things about uh, uh, engineering products, and then think things that would be of interest to people. Sure. Mm-hmm. I remember that Bud Dietrich would do like the linking rings, and he did a mm-hmm. few close-up tricks, uh, as did uh, Mike Rogers and some other people yeah. like that. I did linking rings a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. It gets attention, doesn't it? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's uh, something that you can do. Up, you have to be able to do something right close in front of people, and that's what makes it strong uh, mm-hmm. and uh, makes it effective. And then try to make certain things represent something that yeah. would tie it back right. to the company. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. How did you study the companies? I mean, how did you learn about Well, they would give me information about their company, and then whatever. Mm-hmm. if it was uh, uh, selling uh, um Products like um, uh, building equipment, why you would work some magic with some products. And oh, yeah. Some of their products. And, of course. And uh, incorporate that. Mm-hmm. And I assume, obviously, you'd work for some companies throughout the year, doing the same yeah, company a lot over of, and over. There were a number of companies I would work. Uh, Belden, one company that build uh, wire, uh, wire and cable things, uh, They, uh, I, I did show trade shows for a number of years for them of a number of shows each year mm-hmm. and uh, uh, became kind of known for their product and everything and then uh, so they kept bringing you back year after year pardon yeah yeah, yeah. all the time were there conflicts in which you couldn't work for them because there was another well company uh, <clears throat> yeah usually they, a lot of people wouldn't want you to do the same product kind of product um they don't care if you're in a different industry, but as long as you don't have this same competing product. Right, mm-hmm. right. So in other words, if you're working in yeah, avionics, you can go work in pharmaceuticals. Problem, yeah. Yeah. Was there a product that took you longer to learn? I mean, it would, it would seem to me hard, for an example, like for pharmaceuticals, you know, to re- pronounce the well, names of some no, they'll drugs. Give you, yeah, they'll give you some, some information you have to have, and then you... you practice that and work on that and uh-huh. incorporate it into the magic and right and that's and, and I always found that was the most fun is the challenge for that you know how can you work magic into the product mm-hmm. uh, rather than the product into the magic you know right. yeah you gotta you gotta make the make it make the product interesting and, mm-hmm. and get their interest in it and keep keep that in their mind right right a lot of the things uh, that, that you, I would do in magic you get their product, and you can usually incorporate that into it, and mm-hmm. and in a different way, but the same product. Uh, yeah, I mean, in doing the magic. Yeah, sometimes I guess they'd provide with playing cards, for an example, mm-hmm. or something right. that you could use. Right. Yeah, you do things, and when you say now, you even though it seems impossible, this is what happens, and this is what can happen if you have this product. Yeah. You. Right, right. Um, I, I was mentioning um, Bud Dietrich uh, earlier and uh, Eddie Tullock, and what do you remember also then about, say, Mike Rogers? Mike Rogers uh, was a, a great trade show person too, and he did a, a lot of fun things with with the, with his product and magic. He had a sense of humor and mm-hmm. incorporated that, and that helped. Uh, to make the people pull in the crowd. And, right, pull in the crowd. And, and then he finish up with the, the serious part of the problem. Do you remember anything in particular that he did that <clears throat> stood out? He d- he did a, uh, a six-card repeat where he would 
have six cards, throw three away, still have six cards, throw mm-hmm. three away, and then it would show in the product and how how their product is um, always there and help you. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense, certainly. Mm-hmm. You were talking about uh, Eddie Tullick, about how loud that he was, and so he really didn't mm-hmm. need a microphone. I know in some cases they there are trade shows that don't want you to use much amplification because if it's too loud, they complain, and so... Mm-hmm. Did you ever have any issue with that? <laughs> no, there sometimes there was, but but uh, um, you, if you were using a microphone, usually you control it so it's not too you know not the whole building. It's just mm-hmm. this, in this area, mm-hmm. and uh, and Eddie, of course, could do it just without the yeah without the microphone. Right, and then also, I guess there were times in which you would have a company that uh, would come over to your booth and say, "Hey, can you come and work us?" But uh, uh, you already well, had a client. I I I could work for another company as long as it wasn't the same kind of industry yeah I like mean, we were just talking about but yeah that's what i wondered if mm-hmm. you could yeah you you just any if you had a company that was using you why they used you normally in the series way you probably wouldn't do the same trade show for mm-hmm. anybody else for maybe a number of years because yeah well carol fox was another one who did you work with him from yeah. time to time too who carol fox oh yeah carol fox mm-hmm. yeah yeah carol did uh did some trade shows, and he did a lot of things automotive. Uh, yeah, a lot of automotive things. Because he was in Detroit, wasn't he? I think he was from yeah Detroit, yeah, Detroit was, Michigan area. Yeah, so right, Detroit Car area. City up there mm-hmm. kind of made some sense. Yeah. Um, who were some others that you had uh, seen or worked with that were on the circuit trade show circuit? <clears throat> oh, there was uh, a number of number of guys that. Uh, um, it's been a while since I've done any of the trade shows. I can't think of the <laughs> names, but uh, Johnny Thompson and, and a number of different people that did yeah trade shows. It was a guy in Las Vegas. Did you know Dick Ryan? The Baron. The Baron. Dick Dick Ryan. Because Dick Ryan was in Las Vegas, right? And what I understand that Dick Ryan actually started, I guess, in Fort Wayne, oh, and so uh-huh. yeah, I didn't know if you had worked with him or knew much, you know, about him than either. But yeah, mm-hmm. Dick Ryan was someone else I had. I did. I did a lot of things for uh, uh, Eckrich Meats in Fort Wayne. There was uh, uh-huh. there, and they a lot of products in that. That be a, be a, 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 a show of for people that prepared food and. And people who use products like that. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Was there one particular industry that you liked better than the other? Oh, I didn't have too much problem with any of them. I mm. mean, it was just a matter of getting familiar with what they wanted, and then you'd incorporate this same thing. Always looking for the next one, I guess. Mm-hmm. Did you know Walter Blaney? Walter Blaney, yeah, Zaney yep. Blaney. Yeah, mm-hmm. Zaney Blaney, yeah. Yeah, he was uh, he was a good and he did trade shows, but he did other things too. He did a stand-up show for an audience, which I also did. Right, right. Yeah, he did a lot of corporate shows mm-hmm. uh, that as well. But I know he had Showstoppers. I think was the name mm-hmm. of his uh, trade show company that, mm-hmm. that he was, you know, booking things uh, mm-hmm. around then too. Yeah. I assume there were times in which there were other magicians working the same show. Oh yeah, that would be a, um, uh, Eddie. Be a show would be Eddie Tullock there and. Uh, from uh, Chicago, um, he just died recently. Let's see, what's his name? Um, but he he was out of Chicago, and he did uh, he did a ventri- uh, uh, magic and also a ventriloquist act with his puppet la- lefty. His left Jay Marshall. Yes, Jay Marshall. Of course. Right. <laughs> yeah, Jay was Jay was a great friend, and he was mm-hmm. in, involved in trade shows too. You and Jay probably 
go way back. You probably met him a long time ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When did you first meet Jay? Oh, a number of years ago. I was, um, he, uh, my wife had a birthday party for me at uh, our Coliseum in Fort Wayne, and uh, she invited some people, and a couple of people from Chicago came down, and they brought Jay with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> they, when they came in, we're in the Coliseum, we're in one room in the Coliseum, and they have the sporting events there too, and mm -hmm. in the other part of the Coliseum. And they brought Jay down, and they pulled into the parking lot, and Jay says, God, Stoner must have an awful lot of friends. <laughs> <laughs> Jay had quite a sense of humor. Yeah. Quite a sense yeah. of humor. Now, he had a magic shop, of course, Magic mm -hmm. Inc., and yeah. um, he was not in competition with you because back then, I guess you had a mail-order catalog, probably just like he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you do a lot of business through mail order back a long time ago? I mean, the way that Abbott's has, or was that a, a big part of your business plan, the mm -hmm. mail order? Mail order? Oh, in our store, we did not a mail order that was, um, we had a, a website and I did uh, a lot of magic tricks that we would advertise and I would do the trick on, on t videotape oh. and they could play it and, uh, and Lauren, and then they, so they would, they'd see the product on a list here, and they click that, and it would come up, and I would be presenting the product as you would do it, right? And they'd see see the use of that product for their advertising, right? Did you, uh, in the early days of videotaping like that, did you also send or solicit clients that way of saying, look, here's what I could do with your product, and I could help sell? Oh, yeah, right. We, we, a lot of times we'd send a video to them. Say this is the way I could do that. Right, and, right. Uh, do a three card Monty or something <coughs> that you could, you know, sell yeah. them and have their product right on the card. But most of the things you had to do that were going to be up and visual, so people could see it from a little distance. Right. What tips would you have for people who are trade show workers? Well, the main thing is to you uh, understand the product and find the way to tie that product into your presentation so mm -hmm. that they see the need they can get and how they can solve that need and mm -hmm. uh, that's works well for them one of the hardest things i've talked with some people who don't like to do trade shows is because they have a little difficulty trying to stop the traffic yeah uh, <clears throat> that's uh, i found the the way i used to compete that with that was i did a lot of comedy with my magic Mm -hmm. And so when you got people laughing, you got a group of people around you, and they're laughing, people come over to see what they're laughing about, uh -huh. and that pulls more people in. Right. So I did it with a lot of humor, and then, uh, and then, brought the crowd in. Right. So were you really telling more jokes, or were you doing some tricks that had jokes? Well, it, it, sometimes it's funny lines, or uh -huh. sometimes it's just the trick itself is funny. I mean. Right. You know, you do a thing. I had a pair of glasses that uh, I would have somebody select the card, and then I would have have put it back in the deck, and they shuffle the deck, and they put the deck down, and I would lean over and then put put a pair, pick a pair of glasses, I put them on, and I'd look. Your card was a two of spades, and they'd say no, and I'd say what was your card, and and it's on the glasses. Two of spades are on the lens. Eight of hearts, and, <laughs> and it's just a surprise. It gets a laugh, and that's, yeah. <clears throat> Well, that's the thing, obviously, about magic is the surprise is something that mm -hmm. causes people to laugh because right. in spite of themselves, right. it's like, oh, it didn't kick. That, 
coming. And, <laughs> and I and I found if if you do uh, magic and mental magic and stuff seriously, some people will get offended by it. They think it's oh, and, and so when you make them laugh, why they it lightens it up and they and it and it creates that crowd crowd too. That is a good point. There are people who still believe that magic is real or that it's well, black some, magic or voodoo. Some, some people believe magic is real. Yeah. And, but uh, it's, Did you ever have any problem with that or somebody that came to you and said, oh, you're no, the devil? I'm not, not really. Gonna... No, no. I did. Uh, because, again, because I did it in a fun, fun light way, uh-huh. and that's, that helped. Right. Right, yeah. Sometimes people don't even understand playing cards because <laughs> it's against their religion yeah. at church or something. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, if you're doing if you're doing thing for a church, you probably wouldn't use a bunch of card tricks for in that in that in that context. Maybe you do some other props that were more inviting to them. That you, you kind of touched on a good point there. I think it's important to know your audience. Right. Um, same thing like with your audience at a trade show, what is it that they're looking for? How can you reach them? Uh, is this uh, an audience of engineers or are these students uh, mm-hmm. from college who are trying to learn or are they business people? Well, I started, When I started doing the magic, I got uh, Eckrich Meats. Yeah, Eckrich Farms. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they contacted me and they went me to Chicago to a trade show and I did comedy magic and I did a a routine with hot dogs, and I would take one hot dog and put it in my hat, and I'd keep it, right and multiplying hot dogs, yeah. multiplying pot, hot dogs, and uh, that worked well for them, and, and sure. it was very effective. And so, if you find the thing that appeals to the people, their their audience, well, then you've got the thing that work for their trade show. I think sometimes if you just use something generic and like the linking rings, I mean, you can say this represents quality and service and you know, good uh, product, good products or whatever. People don't understand that unless there's something that is maybe written on it or something. Mm-hmm. I think it's well, it's hard have, to make a leap. If you don't have it written, say, you, you can take these two rings, rub them one against the other, and they link together. And they can you can link your product with others. And yeah. This, and so you, you tie the... Linking rings and linking rings are a very good visual thing. A lot of noise when you're doing it, and that again helps draw that crowd. Right, because they're wondering what's going on over there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like when, you say, it's up. When I first went in, I was just, uh, uh, like I said, a youngster. My my dad, just out of high school, and I started doing the things, and then more and more things came, and I would uh, find more reasons to do trade shows and different mm-hmm. things, but. I always still enjoyed being back in the store and having magic tricks to sell to people, mm-hmm. the youngsters. And I, at this, at this get together, I've had about a half a dozen people come up to me and said, "When I was a youngster, you uh, you got me interested in magic, and I'm doing now shows, and I'm, and uh, and it's kind of satisfying to say people that very much I think, that, yeah, and that it makes you feel good that you. Put somebody on that path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Influence their life uh, so significantly that uh, they remember this is how they got started, you know, with you. Mm-hmm. Do you find a particular trick that people, like kids or new magicians, would be good for them? <clears throat> oh, <clears throat> I started with kids last time with a trick called the Magic Coloring Book. And it's a, you flip through the pages of the coloring book, and it's got drawings of rabbits and different things. And, and then uh, you have them reach in the air and throw colors at it. 
mm-hmm. and then you flip through the book and it's all colored. Mm-hmm. And you say, oh, you colored the whole book. I won't be able to do it for anyone else. And you toss the colors back and then you flip the book and it's just totally blank. Empty. You blank. say, oh, give me the, toss the color, the, the, the big thing, and then now they got the thing back uh, the way you started. That's a very good point. I really hadn't thought about the simplicity of that particular trick for uh, people who are just getting started because anybody can do that very easily. Yeah, it's very easy to do. And, and it's magic. Youngster can do it, and it, but it's very effective, actually, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have used that in trade shows in mm-hmm. which I have uh, had the name of the company or something, mm-hmm. you know, and then mm-hmm. about how the company has grown from one size to another and then right. internationally, you know. But they got right. started, you know, back in, you know, but Saginaw I, or something. I did started doing magic and then more and more shows and then I got into trade shows and then I got into doing um, <clears throat> at trade shows somebody see me and come up and want to know if I'd want to work uh, the Nashville Network and they booked me on the Nashville Network and I did the television a, show? Yeah. Nashville Network? Yeah. yeah I did I probably did uh, 30 some shows wow. on the Nashville Network at, for uh, over a period of time and uh, uh, that and that was uh, that but that brought product to me. Uh, Trade shows uh, to you, uh, business uh, to you. It brought brought a lot of shows to me because they would see me on there mm-hmm. and the Nashville Network, and they would call me up just for an entertainment for their company yeah. and something. And so it got me way out of the, the area of the Fort Wayne, but into any. How did how did that come about? Pardon? How did that come about to work for the Nashville Network? Well, well that, I did a show in in California, and uh, it. <clears throat> I was talking for uh, um, about uh, incorporating a product, an electronic product, and uh, the uh, young man came over and watched my show, mm-hmm. and uh, and he talked to me, and he was there uh, with the trade show for for uh, broadcast Nashville Network, and he was with them, and he he had a, a puppet. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And he was, a ventriloquist figure? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And he, he was uh, uh, dressed like a cowboy, and the, and the puppet mm-hmm. was too. And he then he came back with his boss and watched my show. And his yeah. boss gave me his card and said, we'd, we'd like to have you come down. We've got a new, new national TV show, the Nashville Network. We'd like to have you come down. I went home and talked to my wife and uh, told her about it. And she, oh, that's that new network that you ought to. So I called him and I said, I'll be in, I got a show in Atlanta and I could stop off on the way back and do a sheer show. Oh, we'd love to have you. And I did that and then that brought a number of those shows. And this, this uh, Shotgun Red with his puppet worked with me a lot and it was mm-hmm. a cute representation. Back and forth. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember the network, and also Walter Blaney, I think, may have worked on that uh, network, like with the Oak Ridge Boys or something. Mm-hmm. You know, they had. A I show. did the Statler Brothers Statler show. Statler Brothers, that was who it was. Statler Brothers show, yeah. number of times, and uh, uh, and and the uh, the uh, the the Nashville network had the country music people, and the interesting thing there is. They are they they enjoyed laugh things with laughter and uh-huh. and so when I did my stuff and it was funny and they they right. got a big kick out of it and it would just draw more and more people to it. But you didn't end up moving to Nashville. You just went down no, there. No, I know I go down there and do the show and yeah and uh, but oh. but the show would brought me immediately to audiences 
all over the country mm-hmm. that listen to that show. Well, it was kind of like, I guess, at the time, because there were so few networks and everything. I mean, when people, for an example, were on The Tonight Show with mm-hmm. Johnny Carson, the next right. day they were stars, right. you know. Right. Right. And so I imagine similarly, right. as that network came about, people saw you because there wasn't a lot of uh, other shows. Well, that I did some other shows, too, like uh, the, the, I mean, the, uh, the regular networks, too. But, yeah. But the, the National Network, I did an awful lot of it in that, in that, I mean, in that area. Yeah. Were you surprised as to what kind of response you got and the kinds of additional shows? I mean, or was that kind of a business decision, thinking, I'm going to do this well, with the intent well, of trying Well, when I do the show, it, it just if it worked and they were getting a, uh, they were getting laughs and everything, that made, that helped them and that sure. they wanted it and that, that did that. And the, the people then watching, they would say, that would be funny for us at our national meeting and this and that, and they'd do that. So they would do the show there with Right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, again, yeah, you were able to be seen by a national network, I mean, a national uh, group of people, you know, and companies, mm-hmm. you know, they were saying, hey, mm-hmm. we just saw you last night. And they could advertise you that way then, right. too, you know, right. as, mm-hmm. as, as seen on TV. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, the Nashville Network brought me a lot of trade shows, too. I mean, because there are people watching it would see the use of it in, in product and stuff and that, right. That well, did you? That, that 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 brings me to another question. I hadn't thought about that, but did you try to incorporate uh, a theme or a uh, a message with that so people could see that they were uh, sometimes? Out? But I didn't do too much on there. I just did it purely entertainment Straight on magic. there because that's what they were hiring me for. And I got you. That's what I that's what I did, and then uh, uh, <clears throat> but people would see. Uh, this and they would a lot of people in the advertising business for companies would realize that somebody could entertain a crowd and make them laugh uh-huh. that that would bring people in for their trade show and so right. they they would figure that out themselves and right well, sounds like that uh, turned out to be successful for everybody it's kind of a win-win right. Right. <laughs> situation uh that uh and did you work with other? Uh, you say there were other television stations, I guess, locally and Fort oh, yeah, and, and, and locally like. and uh, yeah. other other stations. Yeah, were, uh, was it really kind of Don Wayne type stuff? I mean, cups. I mean, chop cup routines and things, or a little bit of everything, or comedy uh, that you did. Yeah, it was it was all kinds of things uh, uh, that you incorporate with magic with, mm-hmm. and uh, and I and I. Uh, uh, we call our our, show, our store the fun stores, mm-hmm. and that, that that whole thing of being fun and that's right. That's what appeals to people, and that's what worked in the trade shows. You mentioned Jay Marshall earlier, and I know he had a book about performing magic on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he and Francis maybe had put that out, and that's there, it's a different animal to work on TV because you have different cameras as mm-hmm. to who you're working with, and you don't know necessarily unless you've told the camera operator, or the director, which camera to use to shoot because they mm-hmm. could have a bad angle on you or something. Yeah. So well, how did you learn? <clears throat> well, if you're used to doing magic. You 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 will position yourself so they the sure. angles are right for the for them to do the thing and that's that's because uh, I had learned when I was on television once the hard way where I was entertaining the the host uh, and this person was laughing having a great time but there was a camera on the two of us but there was also one that was on my hands the whole time mm-hmm. and so as I was doing cups and balls the cam they never took the 
camera off of mm-hmm. the loads. Right. But the person was laughing because I had misdirected that person, and it was going great. So if you were listening to it, it was like two different shows. You know, right. mm-hmm. this one was the instructional view, which was the one that got out apparently. Right. Right. And I thought, okay, now from now on, I know better to actually talk with yeah. the uh, director. Well, I, I did magic when I went into the army. Um, the first day, they um, I got to the barracks and I. Um, had, had a little pack of stuff that I carried with me to entertain the guys that some of them I knew were, were drafted with me. Yeah. And uh, on the bus going there, and I got there, and uh, <clears throat> it was up in Michigan, uh, you know, near here, really. Uh, and uh, uh, for uh, for for Custer, and uh, so I uh, I did. Some shows for the kit, the guys coming back on the bus and everything. We got to bar- barracks and got to bed, and all of a sudden somebody says Stoner reports to the orderly room. Hmm. And they had me go down, and I there was some officers there, and they said we heard you were doing. Do you have your magic here? And I said no. Well, can you bring it? I said well I'll go get it and I come down, and I had me till three o'clock in the morning doing card tricks for them. And <clears throat> for the officers. Yeah. Yeah. And then they they said. <clears throat> Well, you're doing a, could you, uh, we're a processing area, people coming into the Army here and going out of the Army, and they're here just for a few days, and if you could entertain them, it would be good. Could you do that? I said, well, if I had my equipment here. So they said, okay, we'll give you a pass. And the, and the one officer said, I'm going through Fort Wayne leaving tomorrow, I'm going home, and I'll uh, drop you off. So my mother thought I was AWOL. <laughs> and, <laughs> what are you uh, doing here? Yeah. And... Uh, I came back with my car and the magic, and they had me doing this for, it was a few months I was doing that, and all of a sudden the the colonel of the post called me in and he got this from headquarters that so Private Stoner's been in the, uh, uh, off in the Army for so many weeks and so many days, and he hasn't had processing yet, and so he has to have a report for me, uh, uh, his basic training. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so they... Sent me for basic training, and uh, I, as soon as I got there, the uh, other uh, officers there found out about it, and they would try to have me go to the hospital and do some things. Sure. And uh, <clears throat> so, out of that, I well, I broke a leg one time. We, we were out doing building Bailey bridges, and I fell and broke my leg, and they put me in the hospital. And then I, they sent me home on leave, and when I come back, uh, and by this time, they wanted me to know boomerang magic, and I brought my magic back, and and uh, so I they started sending me all over. They sent me to Fort Churchill, Canada, and every place, and I would do the shows, and uh, I ended up doing that, nothing but that, for the years I was in the army. Wow, which was, was kind of fun to do. It was. But, so they sent you around really. <laughs> so what did you end up? Are you still? Uh... Uh, first class. I mean, private first class. Or? Yeah, I was a private first class, and uh, but they uh, uh, they uh, gave me uh, some some opportunities that made it a little easier. To, I didn't have to deal with a lot of the stuff in right, the army. Right. Right. And did you have to actually go through basic training? I mean, it sounds like they kept being avoided. But did you finally go th- through the basic training? No, I never did. Never did. <laughs> They kept putting you someplace and said, "Hey, if you do magic, come over to here." That's interesting. No, they they never did have me do the basic training, and uh, 
it was, uh, and by the time I got out of the hospital and uh, they sent me home and back and forth a couple times, uh, I was having less time to be able to go and do the training and everything else. And right. So, and so I, how many years were you in the service? <clears throat> I was two years. Just two years. And I, <clears throat> I had, uh, um, um, doing that, I, I ended up uh, being seen in a lot of places. And so when I got out of the Army, the... Some of the people remember me from the army, and I still got shows. Oh, some from shows that. from those from from your uh, army buddies. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Now, was that during the Korean War time? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. It was. Uh, uh, that was in the uh, there was. Nineteen uh, fifties. Yeah, the fifties. Um, we had. Uh, uh, um, they were coming home from Korea, and some some guys, and some were going in to then, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, it, it worked out very good for for the shows to be entertaining. For were them. there other magicians that you met also, or were there USO <coughs> shows that came through? No, I didn't really meet any other magicians in the army, uh-huh. but I, uh, I they sent me to New York. Um, they singled some people out, and we went to New York City uh, to do um, a, con- a contest. And they had singers and a oh, okay. dancer and this yeah, and a variety that. show. And so, I did yeah. magic, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I ended up uh, going to the uh, uh, Steve Allen show. Oh, sure. TV show, and uh, did that as as a Steve Allen show. Steve Allen was before he was. I think it was Jack Parr, and then Steve Allen, and then Johnny Carson, wasn't that? I don't remember exactly. The, the Steve Allen was pretty early on in the. Yeah, in but he was that. before Johnny Carson. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. But he had a uh, very funny yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, and was, so you say you met him, or he was the MC, or. Uh, he he was the host of the show, and then yeah. he would have you on as a guest and do it, and uh, um, that's and a lot of people. Uh, uh, said uh, they enjoyed the on the Steve Allen show, and so they even when I got out of the army, I good get calls because of that. Because they remembered that again mm-hmm. from from your shows like that. Mm-hmm. And um, were they hiring you just to do magic, or at that time were they starting to do trade shows? So that, that, was, that was mostly just magic. When did trade shows actually? Rather, let me rephrase that. When did magicians really first start working trade shows? Well, I'm in the fifties when I I did a few. Uh, there was just getting started then. It really mm-hmm. Eddie Tullock and different people were doing. So they were the first. That was when they started out. Okay, and uh, and there's still people doing that today. Oh, sure. mm-hmm. Yeah, but I was curious about the the earliest part of that. I imagine, like you said, Eddie Tullock and probably Carol Fox and yeah, some others, yeah. Johnny Thompson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you worked with Johnny. Did you know him pretty well? Who Johnny Thompson? You oh, said yeah, Johnny Thompson. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was fun to work with, and he uh, he worked a lot with uh, Penn and Teller uh, mm-hmm. on helping them with their show and knowing what to do and how to put it together. Right. Uh, yeah, Johnny was uh, he was a great fun guy. He had he came to Fort Wayne uh, one time uh, was to do some shows, but he. He stayed at our house a, a few days, and he had his wife and some animals with him that <laughs> he used in the show. Hmm. 
some animals. So yeah. he was doing a big show back yeah, then, big actually. rabbits and birds and stuff. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, well, I guess, yeah, of course he's using <coughs> birds, yeah, mm-hmm. and everything. Okay, and I was thinking larger animals, <laughs> like lions and tigers or something. You know, he wasn't doing big illusions, I guess. No, so kind yeah. of like, because no, I know just, Paul Gertner does some larger yeah, illusions and yeah. stuff. But uh, but he, he used uh, just, uh, you know, a few anim- little animals like that. But. Right, yeah. Um, when did you stop doing uh, trade shows and kind of... Uh... Well, I didn't really stop trade shows necessarily. I'd do some trade shows and I'd do other shows and do, and I did both things. Uh, yeah. I'd spend time uh, putting, uh, videotaping some magic that we sold and uh-huh. putting that on TV and, and then I would do trade shows if I got a trade show call and, and then I would do uh, banquet shows and come, and when I did the TV shows, you got companies that would call me from a long distance, and sure. I'd be going to New York or Chicago or whatever to do right. the trade show. For, I mean, not the trade show, but the entertainment yeah, for, their, yeah, for, their, for hosp- their company party. For the, yeah, for their uh, corporate show. Mm-hmm. So how, how old are you now? I'm 93. 93, okay. And are you still practicing magic from time to time? You still do some things? I do some. I'm... I'm a little unstable. I can't stand up for uh, 45 minutes or an hour mm-hmm. and do a show. I do some close-up magic and do some things, a few things, but I'm not doing a lot uh, anymore. You go into the shop regularly? I go, I go in the shop on, usually on Saturdays, uh-huh. and uh, people that want to buy magic come, come in that day. And then other times if my wife hears about somebody and they want to know, then she'll bring me down for another day. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, to help them get magic. What kind of advice do you give young people when they want to uh, learn magic, or someone who's not necessarily young people, but someone who's <clears throat> even an adult who's just wanting to get started? Well, I, I start with something simple that they can do easily. Like the coloring book, you said. Kind yeah, of like thing. the coloring yeah. book, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that kind of thing. And then other things that are pretty easy. And then uh, you, some of the kids really get interested, and some of them are just passing fancy. Yeah. But some do get real interested. And I've had... Um, this, at this convention, I had about six different people came up to me and say, I want to thank you for getting me started in magic. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, first spring, I got me interested in magic, and I've been doing, now I'm doing shows in Chicago, and I'm, and uh, we had a number of people come up and say right. that. And it was kind of Fulfilling. satisfying to, yeah. and they, that they felt that I was the cause for them being able to, absolutely to, to do that. Right. And, uh, uh, I had uh, a number of people today. One guy came up and gave me a dick stoner, gave me a big hug, and he said, "You started me when I was a teenager, and you." And he told me his name, and then I remember his name. But uh, and he says, "I'm doing full time shows now, and uh, and uh, he's wanting to come to Fort Wayne and do a show." And Good. so, yeah. but yeah, it's it, it's nice to start some people on a career. I have a number of young people that are now in Vegas or different mm-hmm. places that started out from me. Were they students that you had taught or uh, well, a lot just of them influenced? Were, I didn't usually have magic classes necessarily, but a uh, person come in to buy the trick, I would help them with the I trick see. and show them sure. the ideas of it and how to do get it. Get them started. And then they would come back and buy more and magic and, okay. and get interested. In, Does uh, your fun <laughs> shop actually teach magic classes or have... I did it one time. I did it one time. In fact, for the, through the the colleges, I I did a show for a while where I would have college students come in and and they could 
take a class of magic and the and the college incorporated it and tried to advertise it mm-hmm. and uh, so I did some of that for a while but uh, it's it's fun to help people find something that they right. really like to do and right have there ever before we start to wrap up over here have there been some major celebrities uh, in your life that you had worked with or that you remember oh I worked with uh, uh, Ed Sullivan show uh, um, Johnny Carson show um, the, the Stadler Brothers show mm-hmm. um, there were a number of different uh, things and in, on, in the Nashville Network I worked a lot with uh, Dolly Parton and different peop, entertainers like mm-hmm. that uh, that were and uh, you're, you're identified with them and then that makes you sure yeah. On the same level, as far as your clients you want to hire somebody who has been mm-hmm. in that yeah. strata, basically. Mm-hmm. So you were on the Ed Sullivan show, huh? Just yeah. how many times? One time, or just one time? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And was that a comedy act that you were doing too, or was it a silent act? That was a comedy. Doing comedy and the magic. And, okay. Mm-hmm. Stand up or close up? Uh, stand up. Stand up kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know there have been a handful of uh, magicians who have. Uh, who've worked there from time to time. And <clears throat> I think Fred Capps was one who worked uh, the same night the Beatles were there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ed Sullivan. And for those who are listening who don't know Ed Sullivan, uh, he was really influential, obviously, in people's careers. So once you're on there, something like with Johnny Carson, you were a made man. You could write your ticket pretty much any place because you were now a star. <laughs> was that difficult, getting on the Ed Sullivan show? Um, well, and I had an agent that booked me on oh, it. Oh, the, the agent did it for you? Yeah. And they just called you and said, they got this for you. Wow, that's great. Well, the agent, that's from the TV thing, then you get the agent answers and, right. and finding you. Right, right. I understand. Well, as we close, the name of my podcast is called The Magic Word Podcast. So I always like to close and ask some of my guests, what is it that's important to you? I mean, not necessarily a word. I don't mean like a magic word like abracadabra or something, but what is your philosophy of life? What do you live by? What's important to you? <coughs> well, I, I enjoy making people laugh, and uh, that's very satisfying. And uh, if I can help them sell a product and get people laughing and entertained, uh, that's uh, a successful thing. Yeah, it's it's a win-win. That's a good idea, yeah. You, if you uh, actually get people to laugh and, and sell a product all together. Yeah, mm-hmm. that sounds great. Thank you, Dick. I appreciate you being my guest today. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so for the Magic Word Podcast, that was Dick Stoner. This is Scotty Out. Thank you, Dick. I appreciate you being my guest this week. I'm sure the listeners got a lot out of that. And if you, the listeners, by the way, would like to contact Dick, I know he would love to visit with you again if you ever get to Fort Wayne, Indiana to see the shop. They've got the website at funnygoofycrap.com. Yeah, just like it sounds, funnygoofycrap.com. And if you want to make sure that Dick is going to be there, then you might want to send an email beforehand to goofycrap at stoners.com. <laughs> That's funny. Goofycrap at stoners.com. <laughs> so you can let him know if you're going to be coming and if you want to ask a question, perhaps even uh, about this episode or something else that has to do or maybe, maybe with not just the magic shop, but also maybe about some of the history having to do with trade shows. I want to also suggest 
that you visit the website if you haven't done that here this week, and that's themagicwordpodcast.com to see the blog because some of the photos that I published here this week he had referred to directly. Like, for example, the funny glasses he has that has the eight of hearts in the glasses, and then also that uh, a trick where he unfolds the paper or either folds it together and it goes from a casket to a garbage can, that's on there then as well. In fact, there's a video of him performing it, I believe, on our website here this week. So be sure to check that out then too. Visit the website. There's a lot of other good, important information there as well. Anyhow, thank you guys very much for coming back and listening this week. I want to remind everybody, if you would, if you have not yet signed up for the pod letter, we are reaching about 1,500 people who are subscribing to the pod letter then right now. And that way, each week, people can keep up with who's going to be here from week to week. And next week, we've got another exciting guest that I know you don't want to miss. And we also will give you some suggestion from the archives. Like this week, we suggest you might want to go back and to listen to one of the podcast episodes we did with one of the other trade show magicians like Paul Gertner, Seth Kramer, Shep Hyken, uh, Anders Boulanger, uh, several others that we had spoken to over the past few years. That kind of information is in the pod letter then as well. Well, anyhow, we need to uh, keep this moving along, and I thank you again for coming back and joining me. Again, thank you for your thoughts and prayers, and never give up. Keep on going, and as John Rockerbomber always says, onward. (laughs) So until next week, stay well, get booked, and remember that if you're working trade shows, Remember to sell things as you make customers laugh. This is Scotty out. Bye.